Watson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. I love, and I'm very excited that the Bucks are in the Eastern Conference playoffs. I, I loved it last fall when the Brewers made the NLDS and then the NLCS. Talking about a game 163, we're talking about making the playoffs. I love when the Packers go on a playoff run. Being in the NFC Championship game, being in the Super Bowl, right? When the Badgers make a run in the NCAA tournament, that might be the most nerve-wracking postseason of all, right? Single elimination. It's madness. It's literal madness, right? I... I love it when our teams, our Wisconsin sports teams, go on postseason runs, but you can't deny, and you got to admit, that there's a little bit of uneasiness. Man, there's a little bit of... I'm a little worried. I got butterflies. It's a feeling that I have never had with the Bucks before. I've had it with the Packers plenty of times, had it with the Badgers a time or two, and the Brewers just this last year, but having the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals, I was talking to my mom on the phone earlier today, and... and she called me and said, well, Grant, what are you going to talk about on your show tonight? And I said, well, we're going to have to talk about the Bucks. Dave Carney, uh, of course, with Mornings at Dave and Scrady, a show that she listens to and loves, uh, is going to join us at 5.30. We're going to preview Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Finals. She goes, oh, more Bucks, man. Nothing, nothing else to talk about, huh? And I said, Mom, this is the Eastern Conference Finals. They're playing to go to the NBA Finals. Like, this never happens. This is a huge deal, and I'm feeling it. Like, my nerves match the situation. Like, my worry matches the situation. The NBA regular season, well, the, the whole kit and caboodle of the NBA is so long. It stretches more than half the year, right? Starts in in November, late October, early November, and goes all the way into June with the NBA Finals. You basically just take the summer off. It's like school, right? You get the summer off, long regular season, and a really long postseason as well. There wasn't a lot of time for anxiety. There wasn't a lot of time for worry or concern during the regular season for the Bucks, or really during the postseason up until this point. There were a couple of moments that I can remember where I was maybe a little concerned, maybe a little worried, maybe I started to second guess. First of all, the Bucks got off to such a hot start under Mike Budenholzer in his first you know eight or nine games. We didn't have time to even consider how good this Bucks team was. We were forced to buy into this team from the first week of the season because they got off to such a hot start. I believe they started 7-0, 6-0. Not important. We were believers from day one, right? Because they didn't give us a choice. And then as the regular season rolls on, yeah, they would lose games. Maybe they shouldn't lose, which will hap- have happen in a long NBA season. You'll lose to the Suns. Okay, big deal. You'll lose to the Nuggets. All right, that's, that's a good team on the road in a road trip. That, that'll happen. Maybe you lose... To the Knicks. All right, that that shouldn't happen, but it's such a long season. And they always bounced back. Always, always, always. They never gave us a chance to be too concerned. To be too filled with anxiety, right? Because they always answered back and proved that they are the team that that we think they are. They are who we think they are. They're a team that won 60 games. And that outside of one instance, always, always followed up a loss with a, with a great performance to bounce back. They only lost back-to-back games one time. Doesn't It didn't happen, almost ever. And in the postseason, that trend has continued. Now we sit in the Eastern Conference Finals. Obviously, it's it's happened again. There has been no time for concern, no tam- time for anxiety. This NBA season has been as smooth as smooth gets for the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, now for me, I, I don't know about you, now for me, that concern, that anxiety, 
is finally finally coming around. The chickens finally coming home to roost. So let's talk about it. Bucks game five. Toronto Raptors tonight at Pfizer Forum, 7.30 tip, 7 o'clock pregame here on WKTY. And we're going to talk plenty about it here on the Wisco Sports Show. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in and sharing some of the pregame jitters, uh, the pregame worries with me. We're going to have another shoulder to grab onto, another rock to help steady ourselves with. That's Dave Carney, a real professional, is going to join us at 5.30. Of course, you know that voice. You know that name from Mornings with Dave and Scrady here on WKTY. And he's joined us a couple times throughout the, the regular season couple times throughout the postseason as well, I've tried to talk to our Bucks guests as much as possible, whether that's Bart Winkler at The Fan, Justin Garcia from the Bucks Radio Network, and we've, we've tapped on Dave a couple of times, and Dave has been probably the biggest Bucks flag waver of them all. Dave has been super high in the Bucks, saying that they have a chance to start something that could last years. And up until this point, Dave has been right about everything. Uh, and now the series is tied. Now there's a little bit room for doubt, a little bit uh, of room for concern. So I'm interested to see what Dave brings today. That's on the way at 5.30. The regular season was a breeze. The first round of the playoffs was a breeze. Now after game one of the Boston series, it was a breeze. Right? And in game two of the Eastern Conference Finals was a breeze as well. The Bucks haven't had to concern themselves with a whole lot of things. They haven't worried about a whole lot. Now obviously, those injuries started to pile up at the, at the end of the regular season with Miritich... And with Pau Gasol, you can take that for what it is. Or George Hill or Malcolm Brogdon. Like, they, they went through a stretch of injuries and now they're healthy. Sure, after that Boston game won, there was probably a little bit of concern, but they bounced back. They have shown the ability to bounce back from the few concerns, from the few bumps in, in this long, successful road of 2018-2019. Tonight, now that the series has been tied 2-2, and if the Bucks lose tonight, they go back to Toronto, which has been a house of horrors for them in this series, facing elimination. Now, I'm not saying the winner of Game 5 tonight is going to go on to win the series, but the odds will be great to advance to the NBA Finals for whatever team wins tonight, whether that's the Bucs or the Raptors. Now, obviously, no game is a must-win. It's not an elimination game, but this is as close to an elimination game as you can get in Game 5 with a series tied 2-2. The Bucs now have to worry about things. They now have to concern themselves with things that they really haven't had to worry about at all. Up until this point. Bear with me. For example, tonight, because this there's so little room for error. And if the Bucks lose tonight, they will face elimination in Toronto, which is not exactly a recipe for success in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Bucks have to worry about things tonight that they have not had to concern themselves with up until this point. We all know that the Bucks are a notoriously slow starting team. Let's say the Bucks fall behind 20 to 12 or, or 25 to 16 which we've seen how many times, right? More often than not, it feels like in the series outside of game two. Well, now all of a sudden, the pressure's put on. You got to worry about how you start tonight. You got to worry about how you start. You got to worry about your finish. Let's say the Bucks do fall down a little bit or they are they do come out a little bit tight. Well, now you need to all of a sudden worry about well, what if you have a couple calls that are 50-50 calls, they go against you. Oh, okay, well now, how do you bounce back from that? What if you start missing free throws? How do you bounce back from that? What if you get into foul trouble? Giannis or Middleton, one of your big pieces, gets into foul trouble. How do you deal with that? Over the course of a 60-game regular season, that's not a big deal. But in a one-game window tonight, which will which will either launch the Raptors or the Bucks to a 3-2 three, three, lead, you need to worry about every little detail. 
And that's why I have concern. Because they did win 60 games in the regular season. And they they absolutely rammed through the Pistons. And after game one of the Celtics, they just went nuclear on Boston. But tonight, in a tiny, tiny, tiny little package, they need to worry about every little detail. Which, up until this point, I'm not so sure the Bucks have had to do. Have to keep that in mind tonight. You you cannot allow yourself to start slow. You cannot allow yourself to miss free throws or to fall into a trap of of sloppy turnovers like we saw the other night, or getting into foul trouble, or being rattled by uh, by a whistle or or a call that doesn't necessarily go your way. Over an eighty two game regular season, you don't have to pay attention to those details against the Pistons, against the Celtics. You don't have to pay attention to that tonight. They do, and I'm very excited. But very nervous and anxious at the same time to see how the Bucks handle that. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talking text line. You want to talk Bucks? You can do it there. When we come back, I something that I've noticed the last couple of days, whether it's fans calling into to stations like this at WKTY or calling into Bill Michaels' show, or even listening to, to Bud and his players during post-game press conferences saying, hey, we won 60 games in the regular season. We're going to essentially dance with the girl that we brought to the dance, right? We're going to do what we've been doing because it's given us so much success. And I agree with that. But in the playoffs, especially in a tiny little window, in a one-game sample size, which tonight is, because the winner will will be at a massive advantage moving forward and, and probably go on to win the series, in tonight's tiny little window, it's just an example of why you need to be more nimble. You need to adjust on the fly. You need to be more flexible in the playoffs. And up until now, I'm not sure the Bucks have done a great job of that. They certainly have not done as good of a job as Toronto. If there are adjustments coming, big or small, what might they look like tonight? Maybe we'll try to predict. Maybe we'll try to uh, to, to picture what might be on the way when tip-off comes at 7.30 tonight. Game 5, Eastern Conference Finals. We'll continue to talk. Dave Carney will join us at 5.30. You don't want to miss that. A lot more of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. Presented by Play It Again Sports right here on WKTY. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. Thanks for hanging out, talking Bucks. The show presented by Play It Again Sports. We're going to play it again tonight, game five, between the Bucks and the Raptors. I feel pretty good when the Bucks were up 2 0. It's funny, I was home this weekend. I was back in Menominee visiting some family, visiting some friends, and, and talking to some people that I haven't seen in, in maybe a year or two who are Bucks fans. They know that I'm a Bucks fan, and they're saying, Grant, they're going to do it. The NBA Finals, can you believe it? And at this point, they're up to nothing, looking like they can absolutely not be touched, right? And I'm thinking, man, it's hard to believe. And think of how far and think of how many things have changed in the last five days since last Saturday when I had some of those discussions. It's absurd how a series can swing just based on home court advantage. Now, the one advantage the Bucks do have is home court advantage moving forward, and that is part of the reason you grind in the regular season and you do try to win 60 games compared to the Raptors, who only won 58. Because when it comes down to it, and now the series has been tied and it's a best two out of three, you, you want two of those three games to be at home. But if the Bucks lose tonight, then you go back to Toronto facing elimination, and that can absolutely not happen. Now, of course, tonight isn't a must-win game in the sense that the Bucks would be eliminated in a loss, but man, it, it doesn't it doesn't smell great. It doesn't look great. 
if the Bucks fall down tonight. It's certainly uh, the numbers and the momentum. Nothing would indicate that the Bucks have a good chance to win the series after a loss tonight. Now, the Bucks have, have lost two straight for only the second time in the 2018-2019 campaign. First time in the playoffs. Nick Nurse making some adjustments, making some tweaks. Now, it, it was funny, before, I believe it was Game 3, not Game 4, but Game 3, the, the double overtime marathon, Nick, Nick Nurse said there would be adjustments coming. And, of course, we all took that as starting lineup adjustments, right? Maybe Norman Powell would start for Danny Green or, or Sergi Baca would start for Marcus Gasol. Something to that effect, right? Because that... Like that's where my mind went is Danny Green's been bad. Norman Powell's been good against the Bucks. Swap them out. Talking about there are adjustments coming. There are, there are changes coming, right? And maybe that's just coach speak to try to get the, the Bucks off the scent or put the Bucks on a scent uh, that is false, right? Lead them in a direction uh, that will just lead nowhere. Well, then after the game, Nick Nurse said, well, I said adjustments. I didn't say adjustments to the starting lineup. No. I, and I'm... And, Everyone in that room's like, oh, <laughs> you bastard. That's funny. That's funny, man. You really got us. Adjustments. Not star- I didn't say starting lineup adjustments. I just said player adjustments. So Norman Powell played more. Right? Serge Ibaka played a little bit more. And I think in part by extending your bench, it, it helped your starters as well. Because now Marcus Saul is shooting the ball better. And Danny Green still hasn't been great, but he's been effective in spurts. Norman Powell's certainly been great. He's always been great against the Bucks. The Raptors, while they have not over-adjusted and, and maybe completely blown up their starting lineup like maybe we were to expect with Norman Powell or with Serge Ibaka, but they certainly tweaked the minutes and they gave extended run to some of those players on the bench who, who seemed like they had deserved it, whereas Gasol, Green, maybe some other members of that starting lineup hadn't through the first two games. Now, what I hear a lot from the Bucks side, and we talked about this a couple of minutes ago, what I heard from the Bucks side is, we won 60 games in the regular season. We've cruised through the playoffs up until this point. We're not going to adjust. We're not going to change anything. Our blueprint is fine. We are fine, and we don't need to make changes. Oh, 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 okay. Okay. That follows the old adage of dance with the girl who brought you, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it, blah, 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 all that stuff. But remember, when we started the show, and if you're just tuning into the Wisco Sports Show now, welcome, and I'll fill you in. I, I said... Over an 82-game regular season, you can play the averages. You can play the trends and say, hey, we're in a shooting slump right now. That's fine. We'll let it run its course. We know our method works. We uh, we won 60 games after all, or at the time they were en route to winning 60 games. We don't need to change anything. And, and that's fair. That's fine. But the game tonight is not stretched out over 82 contests. It's 48 minutes, and it will be done in two and a half hours. I realize what the Bucks did during the regular season and up until this point in the postseason has been tremendously effective. And it very well could could recorrect and be effective tonight. And the Bucks could cruise, the Bucks could win. And we probably at that point won't be talking about adjustments, won't be talking about changes. But like I said to start the show, the Bucks have to worry about things tonight that they have not had to worry about the entire regular season. They have to concern themselves with things. That up until this point, they really didn't have to worry about because they have not played in one single game that meant this much. I know Nikola Mirotic is a great three-point shooter. But at a certain point in the game the other night in game four, he had missed 27 of his last 35. And I understand at some point he will get back on track and he'll probably have a great night. But we don't have 10 more games to wait for that. We don't have 12 more games to wait for that. We have four quarters, 48 minutes in about two and a half hours. 
We don't have time. We don't have the patience. Tonight is one game. Don't play the averages. Don't play what you saw through the regular season. Play and adjust to what you've seen the last two games. Because that's ultimately what matters. And when, if the Bucks make the NBA Finals, they should change to that opponent too. That regular season, that 60-win regular season in the two first-round playoffs years provides a great base. Provides a, a great foundation in which to build on. But if you don't tweak to the Raptors, to the Warriors, to the Celtics, if you don't adjust just little things here and there, you're not giving yourself the best chance to win. Now, that doesn't have to be starting lineup changes. You heard me talk about Miritich. That doesn't mean that they can't start Miritich. That doesn't mean they can't start Eric Bledsoe, who has been, to put it plainly, awful the last couple of games. It doesn't have to be about the starting rotation, the starting lineup. But you can bump some players' minutes and pull some players' minutes back. You can sub a player in earlier rather than later. You can make sure one player subs in to match up with a certain player on the Raptors. Or players on the Bucks sub in together because they're cohesive together and they fit well when playing Toronto because I don't care about Boston. I don't care about Detroit. I don't care about Indiana. I don't care about anyone else. Tonight is about the Raptors. 48 minutes against Toronto. What can you do to best match up against the Raptors and give yourself the best chance to beat the Raptors and go up 3-2 to two so you don't face elimination going back to Toronto? That's what it's about. Not about the starting lineup. It's about this the way this game is managed over 48 minutes. For example, Basketball Reference uh, posted this. Just about an hour or two ago. By net rating, the Bucks' best lineup in this series has been, of course, minimum five minutes played, so we have a big enough sample size. Giannis, Bledsoe, Brogdon, Lopez, Middleton. Those five players are plus about 58 points, 57.9 points in their time on the floor. That's your original starting five. Giannis, Bledsoe, Brogdon, Lopez, Middleton. Now, if you don't want to put Brogdon back into the starting lineup because you want to stagger minutes between Bledsoe and Brogdon and then ultimately George Hill, and that helps you easily rotate your three-point guards and find them minutes that are advantageous and matchups that are advantageous, that's fine. It's not about the starting lineup. If you want to start Miritich and pull him three minutes later, that's fine. I don't care. That's been your best lineup. The worst lineup, inversely, has been Giannis, Pat Connaughton, George Hill, Middleton, and Miritich which is a minus 127 and a half. Just two points of reference. Now, where this statistic matches up and, and where this statistic will tell you is the Bucks' starting lineup throughout the entire regular season was really good. They won a lot of games. Giannis Bledsoe, Brogdon, Lopez, Middleton won a ton of games together and they were very good in their time on the floor. But the Brogdon element, you add George Hill in, he needs minutes, and, and what is Eric Bledsoe giving you? Those three guys, those three point guards, as we talked about yesterday, presents an interesting challenge to Coach Bud. And maybe, just maybe, you still want to start Bledsoe. You still want to start Miritich. You want to bring Brogdon off the bench. That's fine. But this is no time to, to stand at the wheel while the ship goes down saying, We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Shots will start to fall. We won 60 games. We beat the Pistons. We beat the Celtics. Our plan works. You don't have time. Tonight is 48 minutes, and you got to do the best possible combination of players, combination of minutes over those 48 minutes to give yourself a best chance to not beat anyone, to not win as many games, but this game against Toronto tonight. Teams need to be nimble. They need to adjust. They need to be flexible in the playoffs. We've seen the Raptors do that. They've changed the defense that they played on the Bucks two or three times before they ultimately settled into what has worked really well, and that's a 1-2-2 zone with Pascal Siakam sitting right at the top. 
and it's worked really, really well. They have made Bledsoe and Giannis almost incompatible on the floor at the same time because Bledsoe can't shoot. Giannis really can't shoot that well. And now all of a sudden there's extra bodies in the lane. How is Coach Bud going to handle that? How is Coach Bud going to adjust? Oh, and by the way, and we do got to get to Dave Carney here in a minute or two mornings with Dave and Scrady. He'll join us on the five-star telecom talk and text line. I, I think there's this common misconception about game four the other night where the Bucks lost 120 to 102. Where you might just say, well, the Bucks, the, the Bucks played horrible. They didn't hit shots and, and they had lots of turnovers and they didn't shoot well from the field and they got out-rebounded. Those are all things that can be adjusted. Those are all things that, that can be fixed. Like, that won't happen again. Really? Because the field goal percentages are, are less than one point off. 50, 47.1 for the Raptors, 46.3 for the Bucks. Three-point percentage, 34% for the Raptors, 31% for the Bucks. It's not like either team had an outlier game. Rebounds. You think, oh, Toronto killed them on the glass. That won't happen. Well, Toronto had 51 boards. The Bucks had 50. Like that's, that's as close to you can get as identical without actually being identical. Oh, well, well, well turnovers. That, that was, that was close. Uh, Toronto blew them out of the water. Milwaukee just hold, take care of the ball. Milwaukee had 13. Toronto had 11. It's, it's not like the Bucks played an outlier game. It's not like they played horribly. The Raptors just played really good, and their combination of players bested the Bucks' combination of players. And that's got to change tonight. I'm not saying there's got to be starting lineup changes. I'm not saying that there's all of a sudden Tim Frazier has got to play, but something's got to change. Now, of course, it'll help that they're back at Pfizer form tonight. That's, that's ingredient number one. But things are going to have to change. There's going to have to be little nimble adjustments here and there. You might not even notice them, but they got to happen tonight because the Bucs just got their clock cleaned. Yeah, they played poor, poorly on defense and they had some sloppy turnovers, but the statistics are almost identical. Like, like it was not a blowout in turnovers or assists or rebounds or three-point percentage. Toronto's combination of players is just better, and that's something the Bucs have to work on tonight. Coming up in a few minutes, speaking of combination of players, we have just about the best combination here at WKTY Mornings with David Scrady from 6 to 9 every morning. Of course, I'm on the Wisco Sports Show right now, 5 to 6 every night. Worlds will collide. Dave Carney will join us on the five-star telecom talk and text line coming up next to talk game five, to talk bucks. Wait around. You're not going to want to miss it. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show presented by Play It Again Sports right here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM. 580 AM, always streaming at WKTYsports.com and our mobile app as well. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. We're talking Bucks. I am nervous. I am filled with anxiety. It's not saying I think the Bucks are going to lose, but man, this Easter Conference Finals, we're talking Game 5. This is a big deal. I should hope you'd be nervous, right? Dave Carney, I, I don't know if he's nervous. I don't know if he's confident, but I, I'm sure he's got feelings. Let's talk about it. Dave joining us. On the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line from Mornings with Dave and Scrady here on WKTY. Dave, what's going on today? Well, G Bills, let me give you a little update from the Carney Command Center. Sitting downstairs, a diabolical look on my face, a small cat in my lap, the fire, well, fake fire, crackling in the corner, and no worries whatsoever with respect to the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, did you know, young Mr. Bills, that this morning on Mornings with Dave and Scrady, when we made our daily parlay pick, 
the Milwaukee Bucks were favored by six and a half points. That line has now moved to seven and a half minus seven and a half points for the Milwaukee Bucks, a full point in, in, in Milwaukee's favor in the last eight, ten hours. So no worries. As a matter of fact, Vegas thinks this is going to be a stone cold lock. Damn. Seven and a half? Seven and a half points, G Bills. And let me tell you, this this is why. In Milwaukee's thirteen games this postseason, mm-hmm. okay, they're ten and three against the spread. The basketball power index as of five thirty four PM this afternoon central time is seventy one percent in favor of the Milwaukee Bucks twenty nine for the Toronto Raptors. There is no better barometer of where a team is, and, and, and people may disagree, but I will tell you they're incorrect, than Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, I, I would there agree. isn't. There is, there is no better barometer than the people in Las Vegas that make millions upon millions of dollars predicting game scores. So, no, G. Bills, there is absolutely zero uh, worry here. Your anxiety is ill-founded. You're young. In your lifetime, you true. haven't experienced this kind of Bucks basketball. This You've seen true. the Packers win a Super Bowl. You've seen the Brewers go to two National League championship series, but you've never seen this. So I can understand. The, the thing is, and you're going to talk about something later that has a lot to do with why. Yeah. The thing is this. Giannis is not going to disappoint the Milwaukee faithful. He is not going to disappoint, most importantly, the end of the Kumpel family, who has just gotten themselves in a position that will change their lives forever. So I am absolutely 100% confident this is going to be a pretty big uh, a blowout tonight. And by blowout standards, I mean... You're going to see 14 to 15 points uh, the Milwaukee Bucks will win by. And the last time I was with you, I, I think I nailed it on the head. So you're right. I have been correct in, in most all of our conversations, and tonight will be no different. I, I, I needed to hear that, Dave. I needed that little bit of confidence, that little bit of juice. Let, let's talk about— You got it, G-Bill. Yes, that's why I brought you on. Let's talk about Game 4 for a moment. Um, they lost 120 to 102, and— it's funny because I'm going back and I'm looking at the statistics. At the time, I was so sick to my stomach in the fourth cry. I said, screw it, I'm going to turn it off. I'll watch the rest later. Like, I saw all I needed to see. And, and under, like, further examination, I realized that this really wasn't an outlier game for either team. Like, they shot about the same. They rebounded about the same. The assists, uh, the turnovers. Like, there was no outlier stat which would indicate that's why the Raptors won. So, I guess, and, and I've forgotten since I've watched the game. Like, now I'm just looking at the, the statistics here. What went wrong for the Bucks in Game Four? Because nothing on the on the box score, nothing on the team stats, nothing jumps out and says, "Here's why." Why why did they lose by 18 points? Two reasons. The first was defensive intensity. If you watch the entire game, players relate to rotations. All right, Brooke Lopez relate to rotations. Nikola Mirotic. You talked about the starting lineup. Why they might not want to change it. Late to rotations, however, on multiple occasions. Eric Bledsoe getting frustrated late to rotations. The second reason, Grant, is because the Bucks have decided over the course of the last two games in Toronto, and I'm not in- entirely sure why this is, yeah. but they've decided that they are a better team than they thought they were going into Toronto, and playing hero ball apparently has become the way to win basketball games when that is absolutely not the way they got to 60 wins. And we talked about that this morning. If Milwaukee wants to win this game, which they better, because a home team as of about you know, 2018, 18, 19, because we've still got some stats going on, the, the home team, or whoever I should say, wins game five in a series tied 2-2, wins the series about 83% of the time. All right, yeah. So they better win tonight, and they better win big. That said, they seem to get a little bit ahead of themselves with respect to where they thought they were. And so I saw Giannis go down the lane with no real intention. Eric Bledsoe, same thing. Chris Middleton had a fine game, 
uh, four, but he had a, an atrocious game three. So I think they just they they got a little ahead of themselves. They they saw what they did in games one and games two, and felt that Toronto really wasn't that much, in my estimation, that much of a threat. And they could do some things that really weren't the way that they got to where they were. Right? They played great team basketball. They moved the ball. The, the isolation basketball, simple pick and roll at the top of the key, that's not the Bucks game. And I just think they got away from that in, in Game 3 and especially in Game 4. You, you talked about Giannis not driving to the rim with any real intention. Like, like I think if Giannis is trying to enter the paint through all those bodies, he's got to have an intention. He, he's got to know where he's going. And you also said the same about Eric Bledsoe. Look, I, Eric Bledsoe's probably going to start tonight. He's been awful in this series the, the Raptors have taken away everything he does well, and, and I think the, the Bucks. if Giannis is great, Middleton's great, and their bench contributes, I don't think Eric Bledsoe has to be great for the Bucks to beat the Raptors two out of the next three games. I don't. But but what's his deal? Like, what's going wrong for Eric Bledsoe? He was great through the regular season, great against the Pistons. He was okay against the Celtics. What can he do better? What can he do differently? Because ultimately, there's a really deep group of point guards. Like, I talked about him yesterday. We didn't expect this from George Hill, and Malcolm Brogdon, I think, has... Uh, outside of Game 4, Ben, everything you could have asked for off the foot injury and more. Like, the lease should be short with Eric Bledsoe. What should he be trying to do tonight? So, oh boy, lots of things better, right, than he did over the course of the last couple of games. I mean, Eric Bledsoe's been a travesty in offense and in respect to how he has he- not really, you know, destroyed the team's chances, but hurt them in some critical situations in Game 3 and Game 4. Um, to me, Bledsoe's got to do this. I, I know he looks for, for his shot, and he should, because he's a, a gifted player, and he should score some, too. Uh, but if I were Eric Bledsoe tonight, I would play Dennis Rodman as a point guard. I would pass the basketball uh, w- with great intention. I would look to set my teammates up, and I would defend the ball doggedly. And that's why Eric Bledsoe, I mean, don't forget, the all-defensive teams were announced today, the first team anyhow, and Eric Bledsoe is an all-defensive first-team member for the first time in his career. So if I'm Bledsoe, I can help out the team if I can drive the lane where I am going to drive the lane with the intent that I'm trying to get my players involved and pass the basketball. You have to collapse the lane on Eric Bledsoe because he is an athlete. So if he goes to the lane, you you have to respect his ability to score the, the basketball if you don't stop him. But if I'm him, I'm going to the lane basically thinking that I'm going to pass, and if they don't guard me the right way, I'll take the layup or the dunk, but I'm trying to get guys open. And if he can do that, he can give the Bucks 25 good minutes, but I'm with you, man. George Hill has really, really shined in the playoffs, and that's why the Bucks were so just, I mean, ahead of the curve in getting him from, from Indiana. I mean, that was a really, really great move by John Horst. I don't think people give this kid – uh, enough credit, and I say kid with all due respect, but he's 36 years old, and so <laughs> he's, he's, you know, I mean, he, he's a kid to me, and he's doing an amazing job, so George Hill's been great. Brogdon had a real struggle in game four, but a lot of the shots that, that he was missing, Grant, and you probably saw this too, yeah. a lot of shots that he was missing, they'll go down, right? Like, those shots are going to go down. I felt Milwaukee gave up a bit too in the second half. Like I say, intensity on defense, and really going away from their style of basketball, which is moving the ball around the court, finding open shooters, playing unselfishly. The, the ball doesn't really have a name on it when the Bucks win. It goes where it goes, and whoever scores it, scores it. And that's the way it should. The Warriors showed that's the way to win games, right? And, and that's who's going to be waiting for whoever wins the series. But I'll tell you, it better be Milwaukee because 83% of the time, the winner of Game 5 in a 2-2 series tie wins the series. Yeah, D- Dave Carney for Mornings with Dave and Scrady joining me uh, here on the Wisco Sports Show. Dave, do you think Nikola Mirotic starts tonight? Yes, by default. <laughs> okay, yeah. 
That may, I, I suppose, yeah. Because you, you, you talked about it earlier, Grant, and you were right. The the rotation and the minutes that the Bucks enjoy that no other team really does enjoy sort of puts them into a particular kind of a way, right? So you put Heritage in, and when he came in against Boston, it, it worked. And now you're kind of there. And you see what the size in the lineup does. And when he's on, he can be devastating, right? He hits it from down low. He hits it from outside. He plays good defense. I mean, people don't think about it, but Miritich is a strong defender when he's engaged. There was times the other night, he didn't look like he knew where he was. And I think the commentators, Chris Weber and, and Reggie Miller, called him out on it, too. I mean, he wasn't engaged, and, and Eric Bledsoe or Chris Middleton was on the floor and did get helped up. So, you know, he has to put his head in the game. But I do think Coach Bud sticks with him tonight. Um, if for some reason the Bucks don't win, which again, your listeners should be reassured, I'm really, really confident they win this basketball game, right? Like, there's a lot of good reason, a lot of good tape that they lost the last couple of games, and they can fix that stuff. Um, but if they don't win tonight, then obviously they're going to have to change it going to Toronto because that's going to be that's going to be a hard place to win Game Six. So, I, you know, look, it's the Bucks. It's minus seven and a half. The point spread has moved a ton, which means there is a lot of people. Uh, putting a lot of money on Milwaukee to win this game. And generally, I was talking to a friend yesterday in Vegas, generally when this happens, you know, somebody's got a pretty good idea about something. I mean, we know that Lowry's hand is hurt, and we don't know what Kawhi Leonard's going to be. So the Bucks should have a pretty good advantage tonight. I, I, I certainly hope so. Game 5, they can't face elimination going back to Toronto in Game 6. It's funny, Dave, I, I was thinking... Two years ago, the Boston Celtics and, and the Bucks obviously went seven. It was very, very close, and, and Semi Ojale played a big part in that series. He, they found something in him that worked against Milwaukee. That was the difference. Two years ago uh, against, or I guess this would be three years ago now, holy smokes, uh, against Toronto, Norman Powell was the guy. He, for whatever reason, they found something in him, and even though they fell behind 2-1 to one to Milwaukee, they were able to come back and, and find something in Norman Powell that maybe they had not found previously against other teams. Do you think there's... A player on this Bucks team that they really lean on tonight, like maybe somebody who hasn't played a lot, maybe who hasn't gotten great minutes, but they go to tonight that makes a difference? Or do you think it's going to be they're going to dance with the girl they brought, they're going to keep doing what they do, and it's just going to go better tonight? Well, they've, they've danced with nine or ten girls all season, sure. right? If you look at Coach Bud's rotation. So, no, I think it's it's... It's like this. I mean, Pat Connaughton had been such a huge contributor, right? When the Bucks win and the Bucks win big, I mean, boy, before Brogdon came back, he was playing big minutes, and he was producing double-figure rebounds on multiple occasions, such a great athlete. He has to play better. He has to step up, and, that, and that's really what role players do at home. The stars, Giannis and Kawhi, they're going to perform on, on anybody's court, right? Those guys are always going to get it done, and that's why they get paid the big bucks. But it's the Pat Connaughton, it's the I mean, I guess we could throw George Hill into that equation, even though I think he's more than a role player, and he's done a great job on the road, too. Um, but, no, I think the nine or, you know, eight, you know, nine or ten guys that will play tonight just have to play better. The shots have to go. And Middleton had a really nice rebound game in game four from game three. Um, expect Eric Bledsoe, if, if he can you know, focus himself and lock into the task at hand, he seems to get distracted, Grant. And I know we've talked about this off air. He seems to get distracted at times and, and, and really just kind of lose himself. Yeah. But he's focused good. He's about as good as it gets. I mean, you can't really stop that guy as a point guard going to the lane unless your name is like Russell Westbrook, right? Because he is 215, 17 pounds with 1% body fat and, and all muscle. I mean, the guy is a freak athletically. Even the knee surgery he had hasn't slowed him down that much. So 
he just needs to know what he is doing. The Bucks can't play hero ball. They've got to stop doing this one-on-one stuff. I talked about it with Scrady this morning on our morning show. I, I just I feel like maybe the Bucks. I hope this isn't the case, but I feel like maybe they started to read their own press a little bit. Like once Colin Calvert said, "Okay, I'm sorry, the Bucks are good." Everybody took a sigh of relief. Sure, well, finally the guy hates Wisconsin, but now he said this. So I guess we are the best. Let's go get them. Well, maybe we need I to, think they can do better. Yeah, maybe we need to start hating on the Bucks a little bit more. Maybe we've gotten too high and mighty. <laughs> Dave, I, I got a, 30 seconds or so left for you. I've kept you too long already. How are you going to be handling yourself during the game tonight? What are tips to, to keep myself uh, in check and not raging on Twitter, not losing my mind, not pounding right, down right, drinks? Right. What do I do? So just, well, first of all, have fun if you want to pound down a couple of drinks. I'll cheers to you on that <laughs> sure. one. But the thought is this. The Bucks have been a great second-half team. The third quarter is where they own it. They're deeper than most everybody. Understand that the Toronto Raptors found something really good. Fred Van Vliet is not going to do what he did in Game 4. Norman Powell most likely won't, even though I like Norman Powell. He's, he's a good player. The Bucks missed on him. Um, I'll, I'll tell you that one. The, the, the game, I believe, at Fiserv is going to go the way of Milwaukee. Just remember, they are a quality team. They pushed them to double overtime in Game 3. I mean got to believe, Grant. You just got to believe. Hold out hope for at least one more game. If they lose tonight, you can go ahead and trash them tomorrow, and I'll be with you. But I think they're going to get them. All right, I'll start with belief, Dave, and we'll go from there. Dave Carney for mornings with David Scrady. <laughs> Have an awesome weekend, Dave, if I don't see you. Thanks for giving us a couple of minutes. You too, Grant. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. Go Bucks. That's Dave Carney joining us on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line. We need to believe. We need to have a little bit of belief in Giannis and in the Bucks tonight. Dave knows Vegas. Dave knows how that stuff works more than anyone now, I'm not a betting man. Vegas is always right. If Vegas wasn't always right, Vegas wouldn't exist because they wouldn't make the money that they do. Seven and a half point spread tonight. I doesn't believe that when Dave told me. Seven and a half? In a series tied 2-2 in the Eastern Conference Finals? That's a big spread. I guess it's reason to be optimistic, I guess, if nothing else. When we come back, we're going to take the edge off with, uh, with a story that Dave previewed just a little bit. Some big news for Giannis Antetokounmpo today. Not only Giannis, but his family and the Bucks. And everyone involved, the All-NBA selections came out. And as you can imagine, Giannis made an All-NBA team. But the waves and the implications of that go much deeper. We'll talk about that. Wrap up the Wisco Sports Show uh, after this quick break. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. Thanks for hanging out, talking Bucks. Thanks again to Dave Carney from Mornings with Dave and Scrady. You can hear him every morning from 6 to 9 here on WKTY with his partner in crime, Matthew P. Scrady. Talking about tonight's Game 5, 7.30 tip, 7 o'clock pregame here on WKTY, so you don't have to wait too long. But looking past tonight's game, something to maybe take our mind off, and if you're feeling nervous, you're feeling anxious like myself... Maybe something to take the edge off. The All-NBA selections came out today, and as our friend Zach Heilprint just mentioned, Giannis, a unanimous first-team selection. So, so if you're not familiar, All-NBA is by position. So it is a literal team. Like, the first team, All-NBA is two guards, two forwards, and a center. It's not necessarily the five best players, but the five best at their respective positions. Right? Do you, do you understand? So the two best forwards, the two best guards, and a center. So there are years where Giannis, you're thinking, man, how is Giannis not first-team All-NBA? Like he's, he's definitely a top-five player in the league. How is he not? Last year, we were talking about this a lot. Well, there's only two forward spots, 
And when one's going to Kevin Durant and one's going to LeBron James, there's not there's not really room. This year, LeBron James falls all the way to the third team, KD on NBA second team. So Giannis, a unanimous forward selection alongside Paul George. Giannis and James Harden, both unanimous first team selections alongside Steph Curry, Paul George, and Nikola Jokic from the Denver Nuggets. Now, that's great. That's awesome. Giannis, first team All-NBA. He's actually the first buck to do it since 1983. Fourth in history. So it's not like this has happened a lot. Now, with everything else going on, it's easy to take this for granted. In fact, I, I halfway expected it. But the butterfly effect, the ramifications of this selection are much larger than just a, a plaque or a, a trophy or whatever whatever he gets. I don't even know. Because of this, Giannis is now eligible for something called a, a Supermax contract. Now, the NBA got this started a couple of years ago, and the collective bargaining agreement is incredibly dense. It's incredibly specific, and there's a lot of language in it, so we're not going to get into it. But basically, the Supermax contract can be offered to a player who is drafted by a team and stays there for a certain period of time and collects awards, right? So in this instance, Giannis has now been All-NBA for a second consecutive season. He's still with the Bucks, the team who drafted him. So now the Bucks in this next contract extension, are able to offer him more money than any other team. It's something that the CBA put in as a little bit of extra motivation to get these superstars to stay with their original teams rather than jumping to larger markets. That is a very watered-down, basic version of the Supermax, Really? Between you and me? That's all I really understand? But I, I don't want to get into it. We don't have time. We only have a couple minutes left, so, so we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. Giannis is now eligible in 2020, in the summer of 2020, next summer, to sign the largest contract in NBA history. It would be a five-year extension, which would be worth $247.3 million, and it would carry a cap hit in those five years of $42.6 million, $46 million, $49.5 million, $52.9 million, and $56.3 Per year as that contract goes on. Now, obviously, that's a lot of money. Okay, and that's motivation for Giannis to stay in that small market team, much like it would be motivation to Russell Westbrook, to Anthony Davis, right? The offering of the Supermax has often become a groundhog day of sorts, right? Where Anthony Davis, ascending superstar, will he resign in New Orleans or will he elect to leave? Well, we don't really know until New Orleans says, all right, we want to extend you. Here's a Supermax contract. We can offer you more money than anyone else. And then, of course, that player says, I'm not going to accept. I'm now going to play out my last year on this contract. You can trade me or you can lose me for nothing. It's a groundhog day. It's a decision point. Now, we're a little bit away from that for the Bucks and for Giannis. This period of now we are eligible to offer you the Supermax. This is where it's gone wrong for some teams. This is where it's gone wrong for Anthony Davis. Russell Westbrook signed it, right, in, in Oklahoma City. Like, there are there are players who have taken the Supermax. Damian Lillard, going to take it with Portland. We'll see. I have faith that Giannis, I think he wants to be in Milwaukee. He wants to keep playing in Milwaukee. And this certainly doesn't hurt, but it's going to be something interesting to, to follow is now the sequence of events that we've seen. Other places are starting to line up with Giannis and his team, his market in Milwaukee. Game 5 tonight, 7.30. Tip, we'll be back. Same time, same place to talk about it tomorrow Man, let's hope the Bucks are up 3-2. Talk to you then.